In a world where everything keeps changing, your stores provide delicious, craveable consistency. At the National Restaurant Association Show, you will find what you need to keep your operations efficient and adapt to new customer expectations. Join us for data-backed industry projections, sessions focused on financial fluency, deep dives into restaurant technology, and more. Save over $60 when you register by January 15th at nationalrestaurantshow.com. What went into Zaxby's recent deal with Goldman Sachs? Hello, this is Jonathan Mays, Editor-in-Chief of Restaurant Business, and in today's episode of A Deeper Dive, I speak with Zach McLeroy, CEO of the chicken chain Zaxby's, to talk about their deal with Goldman Sachs' private equity arm. Goldman is buying a significant stake in the business, and Zach talks about what went into the deal, why it picked Goldman in particular, and what the deal will do for the business and its expansion plans. He also talks about the market for chicken, the competitive dynamic, and how Zaxby stands apart in that business. Please have a listen. Okay, I am here with Zach McLeroy. Zach, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So uh, congratulations on, on uh, the deal with Goldman. Tell us about it. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Uh, you know, this has been a privately held company for 30 years. And uh, I, I put this business has been put together by my partner, myself. We have been uh, running this thing for, it seems like, a lifetime. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, it seems like now today we're sort of at, at an inflection point for our brand. And, uh, of course, something, something new's really happened here with bringing a new partner, partner like Goldman Sachs. Mm -hmm. So how did this, uh, how did the deal come together? Can you talk about that? Yeah, you know, um, I guess you could say, after 30 years of doing something, uh, you kind of look back and reflect on where your life is and some things that have happened. And, and I believe uh, for my partner, he decided it was time for him to exit the business. And for me, I want to continue on. I think the opportunity is great for the brand. Uh, we're still considered a, a super regional and still looking to take the brand national. Uh, and it was time for Tony to say, hey, you know, this is my stepping off point. I have other things I want to do in my life. And uh, he kind of said, good luck. And uh, let's go our separate ways. So that's going to be pretty, uh, pretty different for you guys going forward then, huh? It's going to be a lot different. That's right. Uh, you know, we've always kind of operated very informally. And uh, now with this new partner, there'll be a lot more formality, I guess, the way we operate day to day. For the first time, there'll be a, a very official board and uh, a board of people we're accountable to. Um, mm -hmm. So it will change the way that we operate our organization and it will create a lot more, I guess, accountability throughout the entire organization, which would be good for all of us. Mm -hmm. So how did, uh, how did uh, uh, Goldman get involved? That's a pretty interesting, in, interesting deal. I don't, they, they, you know, you don't see them involved in too many deals in the restaurant space. So how did that come together? Well, you know, this is, this is a separate arm of Goldman. This is strictly their, their private equity side. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were, they were one of among many that uh, we run a process with, with our investment bankers. And, um, you know, we just took through the whole process. We narrowed it down to a select few. And they were the one, one of the select few. And they ended up being the, uh, I guess you could say, the best partner opportunity with, with, was with Goldman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, super. So you said you could talk about this inflection point that you're at uh, in terms of, you know, where you where you've been and where you want to go, because this is 
this is a pretty interesting time in the restaurant space of the you know the pandemic notwithstanding but just in general uh for where things are at could you talk a little bit about that sure you know i you know COVID has really taught us a lot about ourselves uh it shows how resilient you can really be when you have to be and uh, our licensees have really really gotten re-engaged with the business they're back they're back in working every day like they were you know in the beginning and uh we've also seen this brand can sustain itself only on having drive-throughs, uh, which was something that we'd always questioned. Can we really do that? Um, and that's what COVID has certainly shown us, that this can be a drive-through concept brand. Uh, and our guests continue to support us. And uh, it's, it's been, you know, we're having, we're having a bad year because of it. And I think coming out of this, we realize uh, the opportunity we have, not only as, as standalone, but some uh, drive-through only sites. And we have the opportunity to take this brand nationwide. And we, and we certainly, with the horsepower of Goldman Sachs, that's a true possibility now. It will really help to expedite our growth as we try to, as we venture to go uh, national and as we grow west. Mm -hmm. Right. So where, where, where do you see yourselves going first? You're in what, 17 states? Do I got that right? 900 units, 17 states? Yeah, that's correct. 907, 17 states. We, we see first um, really kind of infilling in a lot of areas we're in. For instance, Texas. We have some, we have a little bit of presence in Houston and in Dallas and in San Antonio. We'll see putting a lot more stores into Texas, as well as uh, growing some stores probably more northerly, uh, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, uh, Michigan, some of those areas as well. Um, and then as we as we get a good foothold there, continue to grow as we've always grown, sort of in concentric circles, carrying the brand reputation with us, because uh, we like to. We like we don't really like to jump too far out. I know that our, our Utah stores were an anomaly years ago, um, but most of our growth has happened really in concentric circles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you, I mean, obviously, uh, uh, like one of the things, and we've talked about this before, of the uh, you know that's been going on really the past couple of years is you know that the market for for boneless chicken has really seemed to taken off now. Those of us watching know it hasn't really taken off. People have been very interested in boneless chicken for some time. Um, but, you know, suddenly there's a lot of companies very interested in, in that particular market. Can you talk a little bit about that? Does that, does that provide you with a tailwind or, or, or are you a little concerned about, you know, some of the competitive dynamics, um, you know, given so many companies are doing something with chicken? Well, you know, fortunately for us, we are the uh, predominant, predominant player in the space. Uh, no one has quite our scale in our AEVs and uh, in terms of our unique or our menu. There's, there are some, are some copycats out there, but their menu is completely different. It's much more streamlined, and uh, they don't quite have the variety that we have, and I would say the flavor profile we have. So in terms of, uh, I guess, it causing any issue in competition, I think competition is good. I think it just brings more awareness to that industry, to that product in particular. And uh, for us, it's like we, we, we kind of like the competition. Uh, on one hand, uh, on the other hand, it's it's good to have the whole market to yourself. We're really competing for share of stomach more than, I guess, um, share of flavor because our flavor is so unique. You can't get a Zaxby's experience anywhere else but Zaxby's. Mm -hmm. What do you think about the um, one of the uh, one of the interesting trends uh, that has come up are these virtual brands. So um, and <laughs> a a lot of virtual brands are jumping into this chicken space. It's actually a little ridiculous in, in my opinion, um, but um, a huge, I mean, we, we, we see a fairly, now a lot of it is chicken wings and they're sort of targeting Wingstop, 
but you definitely That's see, you know, some some other type chip chicken players. Um, some of them pretty strongly back. What are your thoughts on 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 that particular trend and and how they how they potentially compete with with Zaxby's? Yeah, I guess I think the uh, the jury's out on that. How how that's going to do? Uh, you're, you're right. That I think the target there is more like Wingstop um, because there's such a, such a competitive market and there's such a a growing demand for that product. Um, so you know that, that's that's early stages, but um, of course this shows there's a lot of demand for that product, that flavor, and um, I think that's going to be interesting to watch as it moves forward. What people do with it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's it's uh, fascinating. So where do you, how do you see yourself in, in what fashion do you see yourself uh, growing? You're going to be growing with um, uh, company-owned or franchising? Predominantly franchises. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll continue to have some company store growth. You know, we're still the largest licensee of our own brand. We have 150 units. Um, that's done very strategically. And really, we use, we use company stores to go in and seed markets for licensees. To, to try to diminish or mitigate some of their risk going into a new market. Uh, we use it for, for training stores for, for new licensees. And we also use it as an area to test new products. We have company stores in different geographies. Mm -hmm. But uh, so we're continuing to have some company store growth, but predominantly it will be with, with licensee growth. And we just recently created a new prototype and it's about 500 square feet smaller than our original building. Uh, much more efficient kitchen, much more efficient drive-through and uh, a lot of upgraded technology to help expedite and get more throughput through the drive-throughs. And because of COVID, like I said, it's really shown the licensees is a huge opportunity here for the brand. And a lot of them are, or I guess you could say reinvigorated. They really want to grow a store. So we expect our, our growth of licensees to really accelerate in the coming years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, phone, the phone's ringing every day saying, when, when can I get restarted again? So you get an interest from new, new franchisees as well. We are, we are, but you know, Predominantly, uh, about 85% of our growth is with existing. Uh, we currently have 300 development uh, agreements in the pipeline they've committed to, and they've already paid the franchise fee. So we focus on them. Uh, we certainly entertain new licensees, but we know that um, we'd rather grow with people we know, but it's great to have new people in the system as well. And uh, we will continue to talk to new licensees. Right, right. I'd imagine there would be some demand from new licensees given the, you know, sort of, Again, given sort of the chicken trend and where sort of things are going in terms of limited service, drive-through type things. That's I imagine true. you'd probably have your pick of the litter, wouldn't you? Well, here's what kind of happens. So, you know, when somebody goes into a store for the first time, they may say, hey, I want to be a part of this. Um, or they have uh, ridden through a town, gone on vacation, stopped at the Zaxx's, and really hard. So typically when they inquire, they inquire in a market where we already have, um, there's no opportunity left. It's completely obligated for us. The market's completely sold out. So a lot of those um, interested parties, there's just no, there's just no market left in that particular area. Uh, for us, I think the challenge is going forward is is actually marketing to licensees in new in new areas, more pioneering markets. Uh, people who are probably not really familiar with the brand. That's where we need our new licensees to come from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let's go back to this deal a little bit. Anything? What uh, in, is anything about? Um, um, obviously, there's, you said that there's going to be a lot of changes in terms of, you know, how you guys are operating, at least from a from, you know, from an internal point of view, you're going to have a board and, um, you know, you're a, a pretty significant new investor. Um, you know, anything else? I mean, it's obviously you're going to continue to your role is going to continue anything else going to change uh, at the brand level at all? 
Well, I'm, I'm sure there'll be some uh, new resources brought in for this. Uh, there'll be some focus on some new initiatives, adding some um, strength to our bench. Uh, that's something that I think Goldman really wants to do for us. Uh, something we've had lots of in-depth conversations about. And um, I think it will just be very additive to the organization. Mm -hmm. uh, their expertise and the people they know in the field that they can bring on our team, it's just gonna help the brand be better than it is today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you, I mean, how do you go from someone, like talk a little bit about the uh, challenge that might be involved in, you're gonna be going from, you know, essentially running this business with your partner to now you, you're gonna be running this business, you know, answerable to a board, um, and you've got major new investors. So this is a really, really significant, it's gotta be a really significant change for you. It is a significant change. And uh, you know, it, that change doesn't come without a little bit of uh, anxiety, because like you said, we have been the boss for 30 years and now it's sort of like, I'm gonna have a boss, somebody to be accountable to. So uh, I know there'll be probably some sticky times working through that and becoming acquainted with one another and see how each, other, each of us work. Um, but they, you know, they, they're excited about their, their opportunity to be a part of this. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited about that opportunity for them. And, and the big thing is, you know, when we were looking for the right partner, I said, it's really important to me to have someone who's still focused on culture and people and everything that we built. Just, just don't, just don't throw it away and start over. Let's go with what we have. We have a great foundation. And, uh, they were on board with that. They think they understand the, the value of people, um, and the value of having a great culture and organization. That's what makes an organization. So. I think all in all, it's going to be a really good change for the brand. Um, although, like you said, I will have someone I have to answer to at this point. Right, forward. right, right. Did right. you do any, uh, I mean, did you, uh, you, there, you had to be, had to do a lot of get to know you type stuff uh, early on. Was that part of the selection process? And that's part you talk that, about that. Yeah, that's part of the process. Uh, you know, you first, you, you find out who's really interested. You run a capabilities, um, I guess you could say process. Then after that, it's all about the relationship. You meet the people, get to know the people. It's sort of a, like, like a courtship, so to speak, that you go through, uh, although it's pretty rapid. It's like speed dating. <laughs> you have to go through that process. Uh, but that's how we, I guess, kind of narrowed it down and uh, in the selection, selection process. And then uh, those, those that we liked made us an offer. Right. Did you have a lot of, I imagine you had a lot of, uh, again, you probably had a lot of interest from, from investors, didn't you? We did. We did, you know, because Zaxmas has never been available before there. And, yeah. and especially during during this particular year in COVID, there hasn't been a lot of transactions, just period, in the industry. So uh, this was actually great timing for us. Just ironic that it happened during a year of COVID. Right. So it, it was that that was just coincidental. You guys didn't say, well, it's COVID time. Let's, uh, you know, let's run a process. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, did you, was that something you'd been thinking about for a while or what? Yeah, I would say it's something we've been thinking about probably for five years. Oh. And uh, it was just coincidental that the, the COVID is during the process. And uh, Tony and I have been talking about it for some time. And uh, it just it just turned out we got together with our investment bankers. They said, look, just due, due to economic factors and what's going on this year, this is the opportune time to do it. Mm -hmm. Could you um, talk a little bit about the company's history? How did you guys get started? You know, we started in 1990 uh, simply with one store back in Statesboro, Georgia. Mm -hmm. At the time, it was Georgia Southern College. And uh, I often tell people we're in the right place at the right time with the right investment. Um, if we had gone into, gone into business um, with investment costs that cost today, 30 years ago, never would have happened. Didn't have it, you know. Really? Couldn't rub two nickels together. 
Uh, I sold my drums, $8,000. Tony matched it with $8,000. And we opened the first store for $16,000 30 years ago. Really? And, uh, so you can imagine with that investment cost, we were immediately profitable. It didn't take a whole lot to, to break even when you had an investment cost that low. Yeah. And uh, we continued to open over the next 10 years kind of the same way. Kind of bootstrapped it. We borrowed off credit cards, borrowed from friends and family. Uh, we, we invested out of cash flow. And we would use community banks to get small loans here and there. And that's kind of how we built our business for 10 years. And uh, at the end of 10 years, we, had, we were fortunate to have 20 company stores, 80 franchise stores. And all of those franchisees were really friends, personal friends of mine and Tony's that, that we had a relationship with. So they were very like-minded, just like us. Had a, had an extreme entrepreneurial spirit and uh, people who really wanted to work in their stores every day. That's, that's the other thing I think it makes us unique. That we don't have um, absentee owners. Mm -hmm. uh, or people who just invest. We have, we have owner operators who work in their business every day. And it makes a considerable difference when you have the owner in the store every single day working. And that's the way they are today. They still work in their stores. They're either working on their business or in their business every single day. And I think it makes a huge impact on the uh, success of the brand. Yeah. Well, if you have, what, 300 uh, development agreements, 300 operators, that's what, two plus uh, average? Well, we have, we have 167 licensees, oh, okay. and those licensees are, have commitments right now in the pipeline of 300 new stores to develop uh, over the next three to four years. Mm -hmm. All right. So what's your typical franchisee, how many stores they own? Typical franchisee has uh, three units. Okay. Now, why do you like, uh, tell me a little bit about why the benefits of having them in the store. Well, the big benefit is um, you've got people who, who, I guess, put in the blood, sweat, and tears. They're there every day. Mm -hmm. this, is their, this is their lifeblood. It's not just an investment. Um, you know, the great thing about this, this business that I really love, it, I think it allows people to have the American dream. Um, a lot of these people, just they, they worked for someone else, and now they work for themselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the other great thing is they can, they can grow their enterprise as large as they want it to be as long as they're compliant and doing the things that they're supposed to do by the brand standards, they can have five locations, they can have 10 and they can build great equity. And by building that equity and building that wealth, they're building great legacies for their family. And a new th another thing we're noticing today, a, a lot of these people have kind of grown up together. Mm -hmm. We have some relationships that are 20 and 30 years old and now they have kids and their kids are now starting to take over mom and dad's business. So second generation is now coming in this business and continuing what mom and dad started. And that's uh, really rewarding to see that. This shows how committed and devoted they are to this brand and how much it's done for their families. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what franchising is about, right? I mean, it's that's about, exactly right. uh, um, you know, letting, you know, you, know, you as, a, as, a, as somebody to come up from the ground up and, and, and ultimately end up owning your own business. And, you know, and you're in that business, you have a connection to the customer, but you also have a, a an absolute financial incentive for that restaurant to be run really well and uh uh you know that's theoretically what franchising is about and they theor you know run you know run really good scores of course you know over the years in franchising I mean, we're going to have a we, we potentially have one franchisee is going to have more than three billion dollars in annual sales at you know that point that's just another corporation right um that's right you know, Whereas, you know, in, 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 a, in, a, in a real franchise, the, the person is in their stores all the time. Right. And I, I think in a lot of other brands, the difference between them and us is they do have a lot of passive ownership. Mm -hmm. They look at more like it's more like a real estate investment and it's, a, it's an enterprise investment. And they're not so um, connected to the community. 
This is not, this is one of many, many investments for our licensees. This is their primary thing that they do. This is their primary investment. They have, they have all their um, eggs in one basket, so to speak. And this is all they do every day. They focus on Zaxby's. Yeah. So you sold your drums. I did. I did. Uh, you know, I, I, I thought I was going to be a professional drummer and travel the world. And uh, I realized I missed that opportunity right after high school. And then, uh, so I still had my drum set. And then when I told my partner I wanted to start a chicken business, I was the only way I could raise my capital. So I, I sold my drums. So I like to tell people I gave up one drumstick to have another, although we have <laughs> drumsticks. But, <laughs> so yeah, I, I still love music. I have, I have bought another drum set several mm-hmm. since then. And I, st- I still, uh, I play from time to time. Uh, it's still my passion, uh, but, it, but it was the best investment I ever made selling mm-hmm. my drums and investing all that into this business because uh, this is certainly my passion as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So quite a bit different these days to uh, run a process with Goldman versus selling your drum set. That's right. Quite, quite different. I agree. Yeah, super. Well, uh, that's a good uh, uh, point to end on, Zach. Really appreciate the time you spend it. You spent uh, with us this week, and again, congratulations on the deal. Thank you so much. Good talking to you. And that should do it for today's episode of A Deeper Dive. Before we go, let me plug our other podcasts on restaurant business, including RB Daily, Menu Feed, and Buzzworthy Brands. Check them all out wherever you get your podcasts. A Deeper Dive was edited by Kimberly Kazmarek, artwork by Nico Hines and Sarah Stewart. You can find this and other episodes of the podcast on our website at www.restaurantbusinessonline.com backslash article backslash deeper dash dive. And you may all find them all on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can subscribe there too. I'm Jonathan Mays, your host, the podcast producer, and the editor-in-chief of Restaurant Business. Thank you for listening. In a world where everything keeps changing, your stores provide delicious, craveable consistency. At the National Restaurant Association Show, you will find what you need to keep your operations efficient and adapt to new customer expectations. Join us for data-backed industry projections, sessions focused on financial fluency, deep dives into restaurant technology, and more. Save over $60 when you register by January 15th at nationalrestaurantshow.com.